Welcome back to Travoltine Presents Easy Riders. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Beetlejuice. With special guest Scott Holzer. Welcome to Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. No, wait. All right. All right. Guys. We blew our load. <laughs> we got to be real careful here. <laughs> we blow our load. It's three times in, uninterrupted. It's three okay. times uninterrupted. We've Which interrupted. We've interrupted it. What's Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It didn't happen. I, I interrupted I, I, I heard. I heard Beetle. I, in, I, I interrupt because it's one stream that we're all going through. Yeah, what, but what counts as an interruption? Is it like a second gap? Is it a minute gap? Is it an hour gap? Like I think what? it's just any syllable spoken between any other an utterance. Does it say Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice? Wait, wait. And happy fun go time, Beetle. Yeah, like, like I think juice. That, yeah, that's I, that's an interrupt. That was interrupted. Yeah, that's an interrupted. That's why Michael Keaton to show up. I, I need <laughs> right. Well. I need a legal context for this. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, what if we brought a lawyer? We in? need to bring a lawyer and talk about like the 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 whole parameters of the Beetlejuice. Summer. And now should we I cut call, to and now we cut sister? to our resident lawyer, right? <laughs> Scott Holzer's sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we have welcome back to Easy Riders, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our episode last week on um, Square Dance. That's a movie that we talked about. That is. It's a movie that real people made. <laughs> that was seen by probably. One to two. And they're both sitting here next to me. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, we're this is kind of the the first big episode that we've had for the series. Um, I mean, episode three. Yeah. It's very very typical of thinking about Fraser's beginnings. Yeah. And it's, Travolta. And Travolta. It's always like we start off with two no-name movies. And it's then we early, get to it's early Winona. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. she, um, you know, she first... Got you know she was first in Lucas for the small role. Square Dance was her first leading role, but it was you know very small, very small movie, TV movie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, it was theatrically released, but like nobody saw it. Right. Uh, Made very little money. Yeah. Um, But then this is kind of the movie that makes Winona Ryder an icon. Yeah. um, Makes her a celebrity. Makes her a movie star. Yeah. Um, And then everything we talk about from here on, save for maybe next week's episode, um, is essentially like. We're reaction. starting a run of hits. Yeah. Even if they're not, you know, popularly received, it's a run of hits for Winona. Yeah. Um, a lot of movies that kind of were generation defining. Not for our generation necessarily, but they define, you know, people who grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. And it all starts here with uh, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, it does. 1988, the same year she's going to do uh, 1969, yeah. which we'll cover next week. And then in two weeks, we'll cover Heather's. Yes. All that to say, 1988, what a fucking year. Good year to be Winona Ryder. Um, maybe not a great year to be other people, but good year to be Winona Ryder. <laughs> Who is it not a good year to be in 1988? Uh, Ronald Reagan saying some oh, things. Oh, the economy's right. crashing. The Iran-Contra uh, affair. Iran-Contra affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the movies for Winona The movies Ryder. are pretty good, though. The movies were really good. We don't care about historical context. We no, care about no. Hollywood people. Yeah, yes. right, right, right. That's all that matters. But she was doing back-to-back stuff. It was Lucas '86, Square Dance '87, and then it's Beetlejuice, 1969, Heather's all in 1988. Movie after that, movie after that, movie after like she has like a really solid, consistent, prolific streak. Yes, mm-hmm. and this is not only kind of a defining movie for Winona. Yeah, it's also a defining movie for its director Tim Burton. Yeah, very much so. I, I 
the I was when I I rewatched it last night and this morning, and I like the 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 not the, what do you call them? I mean the practical effects, like yes. the actual like costumes they put him in. There's this one scene where they're in like their counselor's office, and she's like, "Well, what are you gonna do to scare him?" This is like later in the movie, and he like stretches his yeah. face, and she do, and like she opens her mouth, and I was like, "Oh my!" I was like, "Holy crap!" for for the fucking for the eighties, it looks like incredible. this looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. And like the beetle, and like the 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 miniature set that they that they shot on looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like they did such a good job with not just the the costumes and the prosthetics, but also yeah. just like the how they actually did the miniature set versus showing everything else around them. It like looks really freaking good. Yeah. Jeff did, was uh, Henry Selleck involved in this at all? Henry Selleck was not involved in this. Interesting. Um, Henry Selleck is an interesting story that we kind of talked about on the show once. Yeah. Um, We might talk about him again in the future. Um, So I'll save that for then. But I want to talk about Tim Burton a little bit. Yeah. Um, Because he, this is his second movie. Essentially, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you discount like some of his shorts or like f- the Frank and Weenie twenty minute movie, yeah, he did like a cup uh, like an episode of some TV stuff, but yeah. So he there was a lot of like random stuff that random he was stuff, messing but around second with. Second movie, yeah. Second movie, he starts off with Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, is his first movie, which has a lot of the similar uh, yeah. effects that you're talking about. That kind of are in this movie, but exploded yeah. to eleven. Pee Wee's Big Adventure, just like it, an incredible movie. I love that movie so much. It looks incredible. It's such a mission statement from Burton, just yeah. of his style. Uh, but there is like a floor of success to a, a Pee Wee movie. Yeah, not everyone's gonna go see a Pee Wee movie. Yeah, um, but still, you know, that movie was very successful off of its budget. It yeah. cost seven million, made forty. Yeah, um, I would consider that a success. It's a big success. And so Burton is kind of seen as, um, oh, this guy is going to, he's going to blow up. He's now a live action filmmaker after, because he had spent like a decade working at Disney as an animator. Yeah. Um, he's going to be the next big thing. And so he gets a lot of offers about what to direct. Yeah. And a lot of them, he gets offered After Hours, which goes on to be a Martin Scorsese movie, mm-hmm. um, which I, Tim Burton would have probably done very differently than Scorsese. Yeah. Um, but he you know, turns that down and he comes across a script called Beetlejuice. Uh, he gets a lot of credit for like coming up. He did not come up with the idea of Beetlejuice. He finds the script. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, this is really interesting. This appeals to my interests. This is something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because it definitely sound like watching it and like reading the script definitely makes it look like something he probably would have thought of. Like just the idea of it alone feels like out of Tim Burton's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it does. And I think that you know, this kind of defines his, you know, style and sensibility over the next yeah. decade. And how much of that comes from him and how much comes from the script as it's presented, which was written by Michael McDowell. Mm. Um, but he's simultaneously working on this and Batman, and Warner Brothers doesn't want to fund Batman at the time because it's going to cost so much money. And so he ends up making this first. Um and he, you know, messes around, does some involvement on the script, and then finally goes into production. And a big thing he's looking for is he needs someone to play Lydia in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Keaton gets cast um, after Sammy Davis Jr. turns it down, which would have been a very different movie. That yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, yeah. Good, uh, but, good pick, though. But yeah, Keaton, uh, Tim Burton wasn't familiar with him, but then someone showed it to him and he immediately just cast him off of, you know, right away. Yeah. They auditioned a lot of young actresses to play Lydia 
um, which is a you know a very important role in the movie. She's arguably the main character. It's it's hard to say because yeah. I was almost say Alec Baldwin and um, uh, and uh, Gina Davis. G- Gina Davis would be probably the main characters, but yeah. but Lydia's definitely like right up there with them. But it's almost funny because we don't see Lydia until like I almost want to say like the twenty minutes in, roughly. 20, yeah, break into in. Act Two yeah. essentially, and then even then when we're with the family in Act Two, she's kind of like in the background. It isn't until like halfway through the movie when she really. It's not until she actually like gets confr- into the attic. She get gets into the well. The right when she really gets into the film is when she's like they're trying to s- scare them by putting the bed sheets on them yeah and she's like firing off these polaroids like crazy because she's mm-hmm. this black and white photographer so edgy and whatnot right um and she picks up the polaroid and she sees that she's no feet like that's the beginning of when winona actually starts you know that's when she probably getting takes involved the main, in the plot main, yeah the main plot the main character of yeah what was going on but up into that that's like 30 minutes into the film like yeah you, you maybe have like four lines out of her and it's always it's like that's the and it's like this dark dark thing and her dad's like okay and then moving on it's like my life is a dark room like that yeah, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty much, much. That's, <laughs> her the, that's her entire line it's her, it's her entire line like for like the first like half of the movie essentially yeah so i i would say like alec baldwin gina davis are like kind of the leads but it yeah. sh- it does shift though the fo- it's, a, it's a movie where the focus shifts frequently within yeah you know, its own absolutely skeleton yeah. To use the, the Which I kind of like because it's just not following like two characters the entire time. Like yeah. they definitely do. A, I mean, Tim Burton did a great job following every character. Like the the interior designer yeah. that is hired. <laughs> I love that man so That's much. That's Otho. That, oh, Otho. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's he's. Oh my god, his character is so good. <laughs> um, and then the mom from Home Alone. I for, I'm blanking on her name right now. Catherine O'Hare, who also played um, my one of my favorite characters from Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> She's so good in this. Oh yeah. my god, she's phenomenal! If you don't let me tear this down, I'm gonna. Yeah, like, oh my god, she's <laughs> so good in this. Yeah, this is a you know, Stuart. This is our third movie in a row where we definitely don't have to talk about any problematic um, actors. Yes, we do. The dad. <laughs> That's the joke I'm making. <laughs> oh, sorry. The, our our first episode. Um, <laughs> Clearly, I listened to our, every the, single episode of this the, podcast. The first movie we covered for Winona Lucas starred Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zero problematic. Right the there. second one had Rob Lowe playing a mentally disabled character, <laughs> um, <laughs> and now we get a movie with was that was that back when he was a student addict and b- doing a bunch of blow. I think so. Probably most yeah, likely. Probably. And this movie has a very chill cast, including Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. And, um, and that's not even that's not even the Jeffrey one who Jones, I was. Yeah. Uh, known pedophile. Oh my God! Is that what it is? Yeah, I don't know. I don't the even Jeffrey Jones stuff. Jeffrey Jones. So the dad is also the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've seen him in a and lot of like they, he, young eighties, nineties. Yeah, films. he was he was huge in that time, but he was like a convicted pedophile. Oh my! You can yeah. still look him up. He's still on the registry. Yeah, child Jesus child Christ. pornography, soliciting a fourteen year old to take explicit photos. Oh my God! Um, he was on set with so many kids. Yeah, <laughs> and he's in like every like um. Like John Hughes movies, like yeah, they're all kids, and he's in several of them. He's in Ferris Bueller. He's the it, funniest part of Ferris he, Bueller. He is, is, and it's why do I feel which like makes he's that in Home which Alone. makes that scene of him in the arcade and it's like your ass is mine, even fucking creepier. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just yeah. like I rewatched Ferris Bueller the other day because I I went as Cameron for Halloween yeah. with my friend Kyle and he was Ferris, 
Um, and I rewatched it, and I, the, I when I watched that scene, I was like, oh god, this is so much <laughs> creepier now that I know about this. God, I didn't know about the Jeffrey Jones stuff. Yeah, it's, you, so it's a double whammy this episode. <laughs> Alec Baldwin, yeah, very problematic there. I and think then, this might be the first murderer we've covered on this show. Oh he's not God. convicted. Man, manslaughter. Man, yeah, there's, manslaughter. Innocent and two proven guilty <laughs> in this country, people. They are bringing back charges last time. They heard. are. There's new evidence that yeah. said he actually pulled the trigger. But who? who yeah, like, knows? I, I, there's really no, regardless of Alec Baldwin's complicity in actually shooting someone, I'm sure he did not go to set that day intending to shoot someone. No. There no. is the discussion of him being a producer of that movie that is worthy of litigation. Um, and we're not. I'm, I'm not going to make any libelous claims. We're not. Gonna, I, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. We're talking about. I'm just saying, it's definitely the armor and the AD. <laughs> like that. That's what it is. It's yeah. almost like kind of not. I won't say clear cut, but it's definitely the armor and the ads. Like yeah, thing. I um. So Beetlejuice. Guys. Yes. So Beetlejuice. <laughs> so, so Beetlejuice. Uh, so Burton auditions a lot of um, young actresses in Hollywood for Lydia. Um, including Sarah Jessica Parker, Lori Loughlin, Diane Lane, Molly Ringwald, and Jennifer Connelly. Mm. So it's like all great actresses, but like I don't think any would have played the role that Winona played. Yeah, she played that goth, depressed girl who just wants that attention mm. so well. Because Winona very much established herself as playing outsiders, yeah. and she's already done that twice. Yeah, apparently Burton goes to see Lucas, and that's and he sees Winona in those scenes. He's like, "That's my Lydia." Yeah. Um, and very much wants to cast her off of just seeing that movie. Yeah, I mean, obviously they went, they go through the audition, which process. we say like seeing that movie is really just seeing her face. Yes, because I was gonna say after you listed all those actors, I thought they would be good, they would be good, they would be good. But Winona's just got the look for Lydia. Like she mm -hmm. just looks like somebody who would just sit at a dinner table with a veil, mm -hmm. wearing all black, and be like, "My my soul is a dark room." Like I don't know. Like it just it passes off so chill and so easily. You're not even like thinking about it. Um, because you said Jennifer Connelly, I was like, like, well, like I can see a Jennifer Connelly goth dude, but no, like yeah. Winona just has like an appearance, just has that her. look, yeah. And apparently, like, at this time in her it's life, that resting face that she has sometimes, like you see it in Stranger Things too, yeah, and maybe. you're just like, yeah, I see it, <laughs> yeah, something with it. It's great though, yeah, because she, um, apparently at this time in her life was actually in a goth phase or an all black phase. Gotcha. So that she just showed up to set wearing what she, what she wore, wore. Her that's hair. <laughs> well it's funny you say that's that the big lebowski move right there that's actually kind of what happened um ah! she provided a lot she once she got the role which she got in her first meeting she um which i mean she walked in probably dressed in all black and tim burton was sitting there probably in like wrapped in a cocoon <laughs> <laughs> he was just like you're hired yeah <laughs> But she was like, all right, I need to get into character of Lydia. What would Lydia be like? And her decision was she was going to start collecting creepy old dolls. Oh, my God. And so what she, is up with, like, actors and actresses being, like, being, I have to put my my entire <laughs> life in this role. Method, and, baby. <laughs> like, what, do think, what do you think she did with the dolls after? I hope it's like that. Um, she still has them. Have you ever seen that David Lynch, Ro like, Roger Rabbit story? Yeah. Uh, remind me. Um, I mean, I, David Lynch, um, he, like, saw a bunch of rabbits off the side of, like, the road, just, like, plush ones. And he's like, well, I can't leave those there. Uh, and so he picked them up and he brought them home. Um, and then eventually someone's like, whatever happened to those? And he's like, they were not agreeing with me anymore. 
Just something very ominous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find the exact quote. Next time, if we ever get to meet Winona Ryder, the first question I'm going to ask her is, what did you do with the dolls? dolls that you started collecting for Beetlejuice? And uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. She's like, oh, I kept them. And that's how I got in character for Stranger Things. I'd be like, okay, makes okay. sense. Yeah. She has a she has a doll room. I found I found the exact quote to David Lynch. He saw five woody woodpeckers plushes on the side of the road. It says, I braked my, the car dry, turned around, and saved their lives. I named them Chucko, Buster, Pete, Bob, and Dan, and they were my assistants, and I had them in my office. The reporter then later asked what happened to them, and he said, they are no longer part of my life. What? <laughs> what? He has to give a better answer than that. <laughs> They're no longer part of my life. Wow. But she had all these dolls for this movie. <laughs> yes. Um, I hope it helped get her into the character. The dolls never make an appearance in the movie. Right. But she did, you know, have a lot of input into designing her costume for this movie. Yeah. Burton's style of directing at this time was very improv free flowing. Yeah. So most of what is said in I mean, there was a script, obviously. But most of what is said in the movie is kind of just the actors riffing off of the situation. Yeah. And so that kind of bled into Winona's costume choice that she would just come to set in, you know, what she thought the character would dress like. Yeah. And usually the Tim Burton be like, perfect, exactly, great. Saves you a lot of hair and makeup time. Yeah, saves you a lot of hair and makeup time. I'm sure she still went through the, the works and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, and she, you know, this was the first movie where she's like, I felt great on this set. Yeah. Like, to her, Tim Burton was not what she had associated with directors, mm -hmm. what she had worked with in the past. He was young, he was hip, he was cool. And she was very attracted to that in a, like, in a work sense. That that's the kind of person, that's the kind of vibe she wants on set. This is from her biography. This is from her biography that I've been okay. reading. Yeah. No, Jeff yeah. just personally knows Winona. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're good friends. Uh, <laughs> but I have been going, uh, Scott, I, I bought a biography, and every time for one of our recordings, I just read up to the movie that we're call, uh, yeah, covering. Sure. So I have the context, which I didn't have for Brendan or Travolta because there's they don't have a biography. That's a shame. Honestly, you could write their biography. You know yeah. enough about I could, In theory, I could write it at this point and make like $5 from people ordering John Travolta A Life off of Amazon. Dude, you easily could. Mm -hmm. No, what you call it is... Um, Amazon will print it and bind it for you, too. Oh, yeah, they'll do anything. What's the name of his book that mm. we that we read? For uh, an Propeller One-Way Night Coach. You should call his biography Propeller One-Way Night Coach. Mm -hmm. The taking of propeller one way night. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is her mom talking about how apparently when when I was sick, she told her she wanted to kill herself to see what was beyond life, okay. just because she was like curious. And her mom's like, "Don't do that." That reminds me of one of my I think one of my favorite scenes is when she's like not this is sounds dark, but when she's writing that suicide note and yeah. she goes yeah. through like four different adaptations of it and she's like, "I have fallen, I have." plummeted off <laughs> the bridge. <laughs> Stuart, it is funny because we're we're doing two episodes slightly out of order uh, for the show, but we are covering two movies about teenage suicide. Winona committing suicide today. Yeah. Uh, this and Heathers. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, I I very much and and for I think a little bit of Tim Burton context into that is this movie because his career's been kind of scattered, again, like you said, with yeah. short films. Pee-wee was in 1983, I think. Yeah. This is 1988, so a five-year gap. He'd done some TV well, episodes. Me, I think Pee... I, I like typing Pee-wee into Google. That's always a really satisfying Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure yeah, your Pee-wee was 85, on, right? 85. <laughs> so there's a three-year gap between Pee-wee and then Beetlejuice. But after Beetlejuice, 
He's working pretty consistently. He's working very consistently. Batman, Scissor Hands, Batman Returns, Ed Wood, and then it just like he keeps going back to back to back to back yeah. on stuff. Um so his career absolutely like just takes off from this yeah. movie. This movie is a we'll talk about the end, but this is a massive success. Oh yeah. Especially for him. Yeah. Um but the the last few things I want to talk about before we can delve into the movie are the Michael um, Keaton context. Well, the, the Michael Keaton context mm. is essentially that he just, you know, he doesn't know who, Burton doesn't know who he is, and then Simon's was like, "All right, we're hiring that guy." Yeah, because he was he was basically a stand-up comic who had done like some TV and movie work. It's um, crazy to think of Michael Keaton as a stand-up comic. It is funny, like, and <laughs> that, I would Beetlejuice love it, to see that Beetlejuice is essentially just his routine. He, so he's like a Jim Carrey type. Yeah, he's like a Jim Carrey, like running back and forth across the stage and just like talking so, fast, throwing just random shit out there. Um, like I don't know how. I mean, every time he has a character like that, he nails it. So it makes sense. You can find his stand-up on um, YouTube, the, I believe. The tube. It's funny how like back in the '80s and even like '70s to '80s that there was a genre of comedy just called like physical comedy slapstick comedy right. right just well in the stand-up sense that you didn't have to say clever funny jokes you could literally just be a goof on stage yeah, yeah and robin that would, williams just i mean well i would say he had an he had an interesting blend in the 70s 80s where he had like his physical comedy aspect mixed with some very problematic but problematic in the sense that he's so batshit crazy on stage that you kind of let it go but like jim carrey who literally if you look up a jim carrey like bit he literally, for like 10 minutes, he just does impressions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but there's hilarious. no joke. He literally just like transforms his face, Clint Eastwood and people laugh. And I'm like, that's funny. Like to yeah. them, that's very funny to me. I'm not like, it's like, okay, like that's, well, but sure, we're it, so used to like more like, you know, Stuart, we all know impressions are very funny and we know the people who do them are very cool. Oh, Stuart. So you love how, <laughs> love how it went silent there from two of your friends Ominous. staring Ominous. at you. I hope you could I hope you, I hope the audience could feel the eye rolls that just happened. Stuart, can you prolong that gap in the edit? <laughs> Make it like twenty seconds. Make it a twenty second long gap. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone seemingly had a lot of fun making this movie. I read um, in the trivia bit and I would have died to be there on set that when he first steps on like the soundstage or whatever to do his part, Michael Keaton, that they're chanting juice. Juice, juice, <laughs> juice. And I was like, oh my God. Mm. You imagine that? Like, that doesn't happen today anymore. The the thing that I love about this movie is that Beetlejuice is barely in the movie. Oh yeah. He's yeah. like not he doesn't appear until like forty five minutes in. And then he's in like three scenes. Well, like there's another thing that's like, how many he's lines the he problem has. to be solved. Yeah. This movie understands that Beetlejuice is perfect as like an object or like in like small doses if you if this whole movie were they to talk s- about him more than they actually show yeah. him if this movie were to star him and he was in every scene he'd probably get exhausting you'd probably yeah. get tired of it yeah. yeah but it knows to just dole him out in the perfect increments it's like the jack sparrow in the first pirates movie where that movie knows the perfect amount of jack sparrow to put in every scene yeah Whereas then you watch Pirates 4 and he's in like every scene just screaming at the camera. Yeah. Um, and you're yeah. like, make it stop. Because he forgot his lines. This is how he did it. <laughs> well, it's an hour and a half movie and Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice is in 14 and a half minutes yeah. of it. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And you feel like there's more after you watch it. You feel like you got a lot. Because of... he leaves such a huge impact in yeah. the film. Yeah. Because it's like, when he steps onto screen, 
It's like those are the scenes you remember. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's what you walk away with the film for being such a you know you said fourteen minutes out of it, like a two and a half hour mm-hmm. movie. Like those fourteen minutes, they slapped. Yes, they like they're they, incredible. They were fantastic. Like his when he when they first in, when he first gets introduced to them when they get shrunk down to the miniature yeah. and he's doing this whole thi- like bit with them and he's doing the impression and he's like changed back into his yeah. shirt and he's Hope like, you're like a and he's like groping groping the wife too. It's just like that entire scene is like that's what I remember from the movie. And that's not even like the first time we see him. We see him on a TV ad. Yeah, because that's the first time we see him like do like the come on down uh, Beetle Geist or whatever, yeah. and it's like I got the Bio Exorcist, and it's just every time he's on screen. Like, listen, I, I maybe maybe Michael Keaton, true to form, can just do that, but like you cannot tell me he wasn't taking bumps of cocaine. The off thing the is, side. no, that's like, why that's no. why the films were more fun back then. Right. People were chanting people's <laughs> names when they walked on a set. There was coke everywhere. Everywhere. Like, you want to talk about Caddyshack for a second? Like, Caddyshack <laughs> had bowls of cocaine at craft services, for fuck's sake. Absolutely. Like, the old ways of filmmaking... I would love you to would, go back to that. You would, show, you, would, you would show up. Back when the booger sugar was clean and not cut with fentanyl, like, I want to go back to that level of filmmaking people. Booger sugar well, was my, clean. The ideal vibe of filmmaking is you show up, you hit a bump of cocaine, and then you wake up three weeks later, the movie's done. <laughs> and you're like, wait a second. Honey, it's wait not just one bump. It's a lot of bumps. You're like, wait a second. We shot that thing? I think it's like that's how old Hollywood worked. Just, just saying. If you didn't know that, like, look up any, like, talk to anyone people who wa- worked in the '80s and the early '90s. Like, Coke was like available on set as like a craft services dish. And now we actually need money for our jobs. And now, now I like now Coke is so expensive. I can't afford it. I have to actually work for it. Yeah. <laughs> it just production just doesn't give it to me anymore. The craft, craft service has really gone downhill since then. If you or a loved one has an addicted personality. (laughs) Well, you guys will be shocked to hear there's only one person who seemingly had a bad time making this movie. Tim Burton? No, take take a wild guess. Who Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin. Yeah, <laughs> complained about this movie. Oh Why? my god! Um, my favorite thing about Alec Baldwin is that he complains about every movie he's in. Guys, I don't like this movie. He he retired. He is retired from public life like three times, and then just gets back on Twitter and starts tweeting at people aggressive things. It probably runs out of money. Yeah, he runs out of money. Um, and then my favorite. My two favorite Alec Baldwin stories are... Uh, <laughs> oh, I have a great one. <laughs> this the, is a my, great... My first favorite Alec Baldwin story is that, you know, he, always, he talks like this in movies. He's always whispering. Yeah. He actually whispers in most of his movies to a level that his cast, his co-stars can't hear him. Wow. He just, he knows that he sounds best when he whispers. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, he tells the sound mixer, I'm going to be whispering. And so they just boost his levels. So he sounds. And so he sounds the same as everyone in the movie. But on set, he's basically just like, this is not good. What's going on with the Beetlejuice? Yeah. So my, my, <laughs> one of my favorite Alec Baldwin stories is, so I have a friend who is a childhood actor. He's now, he's now a first assistant camera working in Chicago. Mm. Um, and he starred, well, he didn't start, but he was, he was Alec Baldwin's son in the movie Ghost of the Mississippi, which was starring Alec Baldwin and Whoopi Goldberg. Um, 
this my my friend has the derpiest face. I love him to death. But there's a there's a shot of him when he's having this conversation with Alec Baldwin as a, as his son, mm. and it's just the look on his face is still the same look he has today. And he just and he, and he ends up saying the cur- he says, I think he's saying shit or something like that in front of Alec Baldwin, and yeah. it's like the relationship between Alec and him is just absolutely hilarious. And then mm. he got offered to work on Rust when Rust started shooting again, no and he tur- luckily he turned it down. But yes. I would have been like, you should have done it because you could have walked up to Alec Baldwin and been like. Hi, Dad. <laughs> and just, and just see if he still remembered it. <laughs> My God. Probably but apparently not. he had an entire spa day with Whoopi Goldberg. And I'm like, oh, I want to hear, I I hear all about I that. I want to do that. Yeah. Did you have a second story you were going to say, Jeff? Oh, yeah. He um, He's in Hunt for Red October yeah. uh, playing Jack Ryan. Yep. <laughs> and then they recast him for the sequel um, with Harrison Ford. Better he's just Yeah, because he's just Alec Baldwin. And to this day, he still calls Harrison Ford an asshole and like refuses to ever talk or speak with him or be anywhere near him because he t- he feels incredible. I'm upset. sorry. He should have been cast in the first one. <laughs> yeah, like, you are not. A, I'm so, I love that movie. Like, I love it so much. I've never read the book, but my brother's obsessed with the book, too. But like Harrison Ford would have been a better option for that, for that, for that. Sorry. Why are you telling me that? Indiana Jones took my role. Lemon. <laughs> Um, let's de- let's delve into the movie. I think yeah. that's enough. Oh context. yeah, that's what we're talking about, right? We are talking about Beetlejuice and Winona Ryder and Winona Ryder. Yeah. Um. So, um, I guess we just talk right about the start of the movie. Yeah. Um. It starts off with one of my things I love about Tim Burton is that he always does elaborate opening credit sequences. Mm-hmm. Um. This one is just and kind that of model is so the model's detailed. really incredible. Yeah. Like, part of me, I rewatched it twice this morning, and I was like, it can't be a model, right? And then I, re- I was like, no, it's a, it's a model the entire time. Yeah. Because the movie does, it's essentially what you think is a helicopter shot over the town the movie's set in, a small town in Connecticut. I yeah. can't Which remember Which actually name. takes place in Vermont. I actually drove by the set of oh, Beatles really? 2 right when the writers went on strike because I was in Vermont oh, that awesome. weekend. Nice. They got so screwed, they they had two days left to film it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they strike. Beetlejuice? Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. So they got to go back and shoot two days. I'm surprised they um, just didn't get a, a waiver. It was a Warner Brothers, so they were oh, going to get yeah, one. They were, they were, they were, they were on the strike. <laughs> but I, essentially, you think it's a helicopter shot over this town, which yeah. you're like, oh, wow, this is impressive, as all the names pop up. Yeah. And then, you know, Winona's like fourth build. It's like um, Alec, Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis. I think it's then Catherine O'Hara and then Winona? Or maybe I, it's Jeffrey I, Jones and I, Winona. I, I think it's Catherine O'Hara. I think it's Catherine O'Hara first. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, but she gets she's you know pretty decently in there. Um, yeah. For her third movie. Yeah. Is fun. Yeah. Of course, it ends with and Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, because he's not the star of the movie, but they're gonna get he's the title character, so they're gonna give him the big one at the end. Yeah. He's also on like a lot of the advertising for it. Yes. So. He he's on all the posters, which is funny because you like you see him and you really anticipate. That's like the day of being on the posters for Dune yeah, and only being two. in there for fifteen minutes. <laughs> Do you hear about the guy who sued? Um. That movie, do you remember that movie yesterday about the Beatles that came out for you? Yeah. The World Without Beatles. Oh, I think I know what you're there's about. There's a trailer with playing all the music, and he's like, this yeah, is new he, for everyone. Um, there's a trailer for that movie, which Ana de Armas is in, but then she's not in the final movie, and some guy sued, um, I can't remember whatever studio it is, because he went to go see it solely because Ana de Armas is in it. And I'm like, this is the horniest lawsuit I've ever heard yeah, of. Like, this man went to the theater with intentions, <laughs> and he did not get them and fulfilled. And he did not get them fulfilled. Um, no. But I'm just have to, I have to ask like if he if that goes to trial it's like that uh, that defense attorney's gonna crush him. I think on the, the judge dismissed it out <laughs> oh, of court <laughs> without standing. Sorry, 
Um, so yeah, the beautiful title opening scene, and then eventually, yeah. and then also tarantulas do not exist in Vermont. Yeah, I don't think tarantulas <laughs> are a normal occurrence. I literally was watching, and I was like, "Why is there a giant ass spider?" I mean, it, I mean, giant spiders exist in Tim Burton's version. In Tim yeah. Burton's Vermont, um, I mean, that town is absolutely beautiful. That part mm-hmm. of Vermont is gorgeous. If you're ever there in the fall, I highly recommend it. I would love to go up into New England for the fall. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but we get quickly introduced to our main characters, the Maitlands. Um, Adam and Barbara, played by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a bunch of like yuppies who move to the burbs, um, small town, Connecticut. You know, they own a hardware store and a big house on a hill, um, which looks crazy. It's like a very crazy house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you expect that that's going to play into the movie, and then it's just kind of like they just live in a crazy house. Yeah. Um, it just looks like that because it looks like that. But the movie does a good job of misdirecting you. Um, because for the first, like, 15 minutes, it's basically just a movie about these two... This couple. These these two yuppies who are trying to not sell their house. Yeah. Um, while he tries to build his model, and she figures They're out... They're finally taking a vacation from their busy yeah. life and running a hardware store in a population of 40 people. <laughs> I was going to say, is that what their, their jobs are? Like, Yeah, he runs the hardware store. Oh, my gosh. I was like, what do these people do to make He runs the house? hardware store that seemingly is open maybe once a week. Yeah. Because he just like goes down, opens the door, gets his stuff, and leaves. <laughs> well, they're on vacation. Right? Oh, yeah, they they're are on, on vacation. They're on vacation at home. Mm. Like, aren't you so glad we had vacation at home and not like Mexico? Because they're they're planning <laughs> on... It would have been safer in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> they keep saying they're going to go on a vacation to like Sweden or something. I can't remember exactly where I they say. I can't remember where it was. Um, but they're like, Europe. no, we're just staying at home to like finish up the house. Yeah. Um, and so they go to the hardware store to pick up some supplies. For his model. For his model. There's a good bit of foreshadowing where we just keep seeing this dog walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, oh, well, I hope they don't hit the dog. And don't worry, they won't. Um, <laughs> the dog lives. The dog does uh, live. Spoiler alert, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but on their way back, the dog runs in front of the car. They swerve and crash through a bridge. I like that there was like a also, sliver of a moment where it's like, oh, maybe they're not going to die. And yeah. they die. It's and not it's, just like an instant. They crash. The car falls. Cut to black. Yeah. It's like they crash. They're dangling for a moment. They're it's like, humorous. Oh, 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 oh. Tim Burton does a great job yeah. of like taking things that could easily just be done like that, but adding a little bit of humor to it, extending it a little bit longer to make yeah. it funnier to like add more yeah. suspense to what's going on. Like he does, he does that several times yeah. throughout the movie, and it, I think he does a fantastic job with that. What I love about Burton, especially in his early years, is that he starts as an animator. And so, so much of his live action work is informed by that history and animation. Yeah. And just kind of how an animator, you know, does gags. Yeah. Like the concept of crashing a car through a bridge, you're suspended, and the only thing keeping you up is a dog standing on a, like a that's, single that's platform. That's such a Looney Tunes car. That's like, literally a Looney Tunes scene. It yeah. is. Also, that river is not even for a car to sink. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. that out no. there as someone who's it's been not. by that river. But whatever. <laughs> it's movies. It's movie magic. And yeah. that's why, you know, we talk, we're going to talk about a few Tim Burton movies on this show. Um, we get to avoid most of the bad ones, thank God. <laughs> but like once he gets into the 2000s, he loses his cartoon sensibility. Yeah. Um, because with this, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, even Batman, um, Ed, or Batman Mars Attacks, those are all movies that feel like live action cartoons. Yeah. Like things just move in those worlds in the way that people don't move. Yeah. They move like a cartoon, like Beetle Beetlejuice is just a cartoon character who's found his way into the real world. Yeah. Um, and so that's partially what makes it this movie like right off the bat so unique and so interesting 
is you are watching Looney Tunes, but in live action. And yeah. Starring Alec Baldwin in Looney Tunes back in action. <laughs> <You're>, yeah. <laughs> Brendan uh, Fraser makes a cameo. He, what if he did? Um, but their car does plunge off the cliff and um, they die. They perish. Well, we don't know that mm. they die. We just cut to them wet inside their house. Yeah. I should probably have phrased that better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> They, they walk in, they're like, whoa, we're so crazy. What a start to our vacation. And then they they try to like get a fire going at the fireplace. And but then it's already going. It's already going, and sparks like shoot, like fly off of mm. uh, Gina Davis's hand. Yes. And then Alec Baldwin's like, how do we actually... Sorry, how do we actually get here? <laughs> do, you, do you remember how we got here? And they're like, nope. Uh, and then they see a book on the table that said handbook for the recently deceased, mm. but it diseased because Alec Baldwin's illiterate. Um, <laughs> and then, and then they look in the mirror above the fireplace and they can't see themselves. Yeah. And, then, and then he, and then Alec Baldwin runs out the front door, gets trapped on, apparently it's Saturn. Apparently I, I re, when I rewatched the movie, like the Saturn sandworms, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what, what it, it is. That's what it is. Oh my God. Um, cause, cause, Alec, cause, uh, um, Beetlejuice is like, ah, he's like, I've, I've, I've been to Saturn too. And those sandworms are crazy. Like, <laughs> so, so that's what it is. It's Saturn. So Good he runs know. out. Good eventually, it's, it's been it was like two months, and like that passage of time in there is very interesting. Yeah. Like it's two months of him being on Saturn and her just being there alone. Right. The thing that if I have one complaint about this movie, and it's not a complaint because the movie doesn't take itself seriously is that the rules of being a ghost are so ill-defined in this movie yes. and what they're able to do. Yeah. You can only see them. No one really can see them, but Winona Ryder can see them, but no Winona Ryder can see them as, like, their actual selves. But, like, when you take a photo of them, there's no there's no yeah. feet, but she can see. I, no one can hear them except for when they put the sheet on and then Jeffrey Jones can hear them. Yeah. it's They can morph their faces. They can make a group of seven people do dance to the banana boats. I boat work all night and I work all day. <laughs> they can turn <laughs> shrimp into shrimp hands. Yep. Uh, I like... If, if this movie was more serious, I would actually have a problem with that. Yeah. But because it is such a cartoon... You just buy into like yeah. they're cartoon characters and they can do these things. Yeah, you just buy all the shit that they're Mickey able to Mouse do. can take his eyes out of his head and throw them at you. That is the thing that cartoons can do. Yeah, yeah. I so, have no problem with it. Which I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, his 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 lack of seriousness, seriousness. Mm. Oh my god, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. His. You can talk. I'm I'm gonna stop. <laughs> words, words, words are hard this morning. It is it is an early morning on a Saturday, and I obviously went out on Friday night. Yes, yeah. and you had a great time by this. Oh, time. I did. I looked fabulous you did look incredible i was wearing six inch heels a beautiful dress <laughs> full-on makeup i was living my my real housewives fantasy my favorite thing was you telling us i'm dressed as a real housewife and then me like i've never seen real housewives. I, i've never i've never seen an episode of real housewives but it was a real housewives party that i was invited mm-hmm. to and i had to dress up so of course i went all out as much as i possibly could you guys keep talking uh <laughs> so absolutely fabulous loved every second of it um but back to Tim Burton. Yes. So the they're dead. They figure this out, and they're just trying to kind of cope and understand like, yeah. how to be dead in the world. The book they keep talking about how the book is difficult for them to understand. Which is which once again it goes back to my he's illiterate. Because the second Winona gets it later, she understands everything in the book. Yeah. Um it's it's very funny how much they're just like, I don't understand anything that's going on in this book. I can't read it. Um and I can't. Just because they're now trapped inside the house, um, unable to leave, um, with no way of communicating with anyone or figuring it out, there's just a passage of time that occurs. 
Um, f- we forgot to mention at the beginning of the movie, it's established they have a friend, a realtor friend, who's constantly trying to convince them to sell their house. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing she sees that it's like, you make a big profit off of it. She mentioned that there's a big, you know, wealthy to do. Wealthy New family York in New York family. City that wants to buy it. It's like $230 cash. Like, yeah. She, and then she's like, this house is so big for just like, for you two, like this is a for a family because yeah. they're, they're not having kids. They don't there's, want kids. There's like the subtext that Gina Davis is incapable of having kids. Yeah. The movie never really mentions it again, but that's kind of thrown off, Um, which I, there's that, it kind of builds into this idea that Winona becomes their kind of surrogate daughter at the mm-hmm. end of the movie. They do uh, kind of take her in because it's like, they do. Because like it's like because because she's able to understand the book, it's like mm. you know it's the children teaching the parents something. Yeah, it's it's a nice subtext. The movie kind kind of forgets about it for basically an hour in the middle, but it is a nice kind of close you know loop to yeah. that story that she can't have kids, um, and at the end you know finds a daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the house gets sold. Which she definitely relates more to than her stepmom in the movie. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so while they're, they're they just kind of hang out in the attic um, with their model, um, and that's that's how they live their lives for two months, um, including going outside and getting suckered by a sandworm. Um, after those two months, they see their realtor friend come by after the funeral, and kind of look at the house, and then another car pulls up, with uh, which is the new home or the new family that's moving in, the yeah. Dietzes. Catherine O'Hara playing, um, what's her name in this movie? Catherine O'Hara playing Delia. Mm-hmm. Delia Dietz, which is a great name. Who is like this like wannabe artist. Yeah. Who's like this sculptor person who like is this like New York upper class because she happens mm-hmm. to have money. She probably married rich and is like, I want to just be an artist. And is like making absolute fucking garbage. Th- yeah, that's the thing that I like um, about because movies are about a lot of things. Movies aren't just like about one thing. I like that this movie is also just subtly this like snobs versus slobs eighties movie yeah. about like the real the real folks having to deal with all these, you know, trendy artist types trying to move into their house. Oh, aren't they the worst? They're terrible in this movie. They're awful. <laughs> they make me question my life choices. <laughs> I'm like, God, am I like um, are you Delia? Jeff, I, I've seen your apartment. You're not close to Delia. You're fine. <laughs> I'm, I don't know, I'm looking at the, the little camera art pieces, and those could be Beetlejuice horror set things. Yeah. Um, they move in. Um, Delia, her husband Charles, played by Jeffrey Jones, and then their um, Charles's daughter Lydia. Um, movie never explains what happened to her mom, but just that she only has a stepmom who she hates. Yeah. Um, as as per the usual goth child. Yes, as per the as per the movie requirement, you need to have a stepfather or stepmother who you dislike. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's important. You know, you can't have a movie without it. It's a can effect. A goth kid with two actual parents. Like, come on, what do they have to be sad about? Nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and right away, Winona really looks great in this movie. She yeah. steps out basically in like a morning gown <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> with her hair spiked up, the full black dress. Yeah. Does um, she have a veil on in the beginning? I can't remember. I, th- I think so. Yes. I think she has the veil at the beginning. She, she wears, wears it, it throughout first, the entire movie. The first dinner well. scene, she definitely has it on. Yeah. She's pasty white with like sunken eyes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be you, Jeff. She's basically, yeah, <laughs> it's it already <laughs> is. She's basically made to look dead. Um, yeah. Even though she is alive, she looks like a corpse. Yeah. Um, in a morning gown. 
And right away, she just kind of, it's a confidence in her performance that we haven't seen yet in our previous two movies. Yes, that's absolutely correct. I'm like, glad you brought that you up. Get, you get the feeling that this is, again, it, it objectively is the movie where she figures it out. Yeah. But you really get the vibe that, like, she came to set and she, after her experience in the first two movies, which is like, all right, I understand this character. I understand what to do. I understand yeah. the assignment in this movie. Yeah. And she is unwavering in it. Oh, she understood the assignment. Yes. Yeah. Um, because she does clock that she sees people in the window. Right, yeah. There's all this hullabaloo about Delia's um, statues, um, including the most Tim Burton-looking statue of all time, which is like a leaf that's sunken in with claws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's getting just swung around. Um, it pins Delia against the wall. Well, how did she make... Did she make those statues? Did she buy them? She sculpted them. She's a Sculptor. I don't buy it. Her agent hates her too. (laughs) Her agent does hate her. She calls her a flake. Yeah, which is just three times. Yeah, rough. (laughs) Imagine that's disrespectful to Catherine O'Hara. But uh, you know, I'm glad that she you know handled it with grace. Yeah. (laughs) Um, she um Lydia clocks that there's two faces in the window upstairs, Mm -hmm. and she's like, "Look, there's fate." Her Midwest accent's like really kind of. What was that, Jeff? Look, there's faces. (laughs) No, that's not it. Can't. (laughs) Is she from the Midwest? She's from Minnesota. That makes sense. Um, you can really hear the accent in Heather's. Um, yeah, you can. It's like when she's like, "Dear diary, <laughs> dear diary." Um, but she starts suspecting that there's something going on in the house. The parents are much too concerned with this guy Otho, who's both who's an interior How's designer. He related to them, like he's he's she's the interior designer for her, like for that's, Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, she's, for Catherine O'Hara, her and, personal interior designer, who's also an exorcist, which is hilarious. <laughs> there's a scene of them once they renovate the house. There's a scene of them sitting on this extended porch with like the facade of one side <laughs> of the building. It's like he's like. I know as much about the afterlife as I do interiorating, decorating, and the dad just goes. okay it's so funny um how terrible he is at design but he just keeps walking around otho otho of course his name is Otho. i've never had a client who matched my energy who understood what i like they're both insane yeah but i love him to death so we get all this fun business for probably about like 10 to 15 minutes which is just the maitlands seeing what is being done to their house yeah um and desperately trying to figure out how they can prevent it from happening. Yeah, because they do they try and scare them first, or is, do they not try and scare them until after they consult with their caseworker? I think they no. Right when they move in, they try. They, so the yes. caseworkers afterwards. So when they when they when they're doing the one he's doing uh when oh my god when they're doing the walk through the house and then she's walking around with the spray can like you're spraying right. things down you're right. like yeah. they're in the closet together with the head cut off he's in the study with like yeah. her holding a knife with Alec Baldwin's head like they're trying to scare her, but no one's seeing them mm-hmm. right. and then they're like oh we gotta eventually they go up to the attic when they're like when they're like like have you been upstairs yet and they're like. No, and they start walking upstairs, and like, oh, I forgot to lock the attic, and they run up past them. They get like a little, they're like, little but all of a sudden, sound. now they can feel them. They can feel like yeah. once again this 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 not understanding of how the the ghost world works in this movie. Yeah. Because Alec Baldwin at this point does take his head off. <laughs> he does. He's running up there without a head at the, at this point too. Yeah. Um, 
door slams shut. They can't get upstairs. Um, and that's how they start. And then eventually he puts his head back on and then they read the book and they're like, if you need help, draw a door. And he's mm. like, what does this mean? And then, oh my God, it literally says draw a door. So they draw a door whatever. And then knock three times. Dun, dun, dun. And it goes into this ghost world in this insane thing. And then you meet their caseworker who is this like <laughs> old woman who's just constantly smoking. And she's like, what do you want? <laughs> I love the ghost world. It is my I, favorite part of the movie. I am. One of my favorite things in movies is when they take like a fantastical world, whether that be, you know, ghosts, um, fantasy, sci-fi, and just put like the most boring, obnoxious bureaucracy into the middle of it. It's uh, Sylvia Sidney yes. who plays Juno, their caseworker, who's also in she's Mars Attacks. Mar- Mars Degas. She's the grandma. Grandma. Yep. Yeah, she's the grandma. She's so, she's. I just love her character in that. Like when the football team dies and they're <laughs> calling her coach. Coach, and she- I don't think we make it off that bus. <laughs> no, like, you really. don't say. <laughs> I, when I was a kid, I don't remember why, what, you know, capacity I saw the image in, but when they're in the waiting room, there's that one guy with the shrunken head. Oh, is yeah. that? Yeah. There's like a, there's like a guy in a hunter's jacket who just has a shrunken head. That's there's on. a witch doctor next yeah. to the thing. That yeah. really frightened me as a kid. My yeah. mom showed this to me probably when I was like four or five years old. Um, and I, I was on the phone with her today and I was talking about we doing this and she's like, I don't remember showing this. And I was like, mom, I was terrified of this movie. Like <laughs> I didn't watch this movie again until I was in college. <laughs> it's like the great type of, um, quote unquote horror that can scare a kid. Right. Um, but, but not like traumatically. Yeah. No, well. it's not like, you know, <laughs> cause also like the, the Tim, exorcist, <laughs> like the Tim Burns scene where they're, he's like, are, they're, are you even scary? And he goes, is this scary enough for you? They don't even show his face. They just show mm. the reaction of, of yeah. Alec Baldwin and his wife. And you see like these things come off for it. You never actually like see the scariest parts of yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Like the snake is definitely a little scary. That's what scared me the most. Yeah. As a kid. The snake scared me a lot as a kid. It's um, very Halloween vibe. Yeah. Where it's like the type of scary that will like frighten you as a kid, but not, you know, scare you shitless. And when you're an adult, you mostly just laugh at it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I like how like, bureaucratic this is they have to wait for their number to be called and they it's, it's waited a, like six months by the way it's <laughs> essentially like, yeah. the dmv for the dead yeah um, calling what number one billion five hundred and seventy six thousand three hundred and twenty that's the number they like one of the numbers they have yeah. yeah they pull the roll and it just keeps coming out for their number yeah and so they go back um and to meet their caseworker and they wind up back in their house except it looks like a realm of the dead now with Delia's interior design work mm-hmm. uh, through Ofo because they've been there for six months now waiting yeah. so they have all this time to renovate the house so it's a yeah. good it's a great way to pass that time yeah. in the movie it was brilliantly done because well, then Juno says you've been dead for like a hundred years oh, I was like, you're gonna be haunting them for a hundred you're gonna be living in the house for like a hundred and something years oh is that what it you're, is you, they establish in the sequence that there's essentially three layers to being dead there's you're dead and you're a ghost, and then after 125 years of haunting, you can be done with your haunting and be allowed to leave. Um, yep. So I, there I are like rules to ghost the rules. I love these. And okay. then, but then the alternate is if you get exercised, exercised. you essentially are in like a floaty. Um, and that's realm. what that that's what that room is when they're walking yeah, down the hallway. Death for the and dead. You, yeah. And you see the guy who's like the janitor or whatever, yeah. or the flat guy, and he's like, "How do I look? I don't have mirrors here. I'm feeling kind of flat." And then he's like, literally, like a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's this multiple layers to being dead. A lot of rules in this movie. Yeah. Um, some of them well defined, some not. I do find it fun. Right. Yeah. So after 
you know, they get their case. Their caseworker explains the situation to them and says, you, if you want them out, you got to scare them out. At this point, the caseworker is kind of apathetic to their plight. They're kind of like, yeah, you just scare them if we're not too concerned about them leaving. Later, the caseworker gets more involved and says, all right, you need to scare them out. It's because they're now, they, they didn't get really scared. Well, they, yeah. nothing worked. They got the book in their hands. Yeah. She's like, we cannot let this routine haunting <laughs> expose the existence of the afterlife. <laughs> it's like, yeah, then maybe don't let the, the two idiots be ghosts. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. And also only three visits to your caseworker in 125 <laughs> years. That's not fair. Death sucks. Death does suck. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because then they also, in their first visit, they also mentioned Beetlejuice. Yes. Because they saw a TV ad before they went into the... And the, she's like, the, don't, the, don't don't say yeah, his name. And, and she like, warn, like warns them against it. And she's yeah. like, he's like he, he used to work for me. He's this horrible person. You, mm. do, you don't want anything to do with him. Like, he's a parasite. Like, don't, don't say his name. Never say his name. Definitely not three times. Definitely not, not three, three times. times. I like that... Um, they, they say at one point that, like, um, people who commit suicide wind up working civil service jobs in the afterlife. Yeah. And the implication being... Is that she... Well, not only her, but Beetlejuice as well. Because he's uh... like, yeah, he used to be my assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, they never really go into, like, what Beetlejuice was before he died. Well, what Tim Burton told him is, like, he Michael, Michael Keaton is that he lived in every time period, but lived in no time period. Mm-hmm. So that's where he changes his whole, like, look... And he's just and looks, he's like, I've seen The Exorcist 37 times, and it gets funnier every single time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my um, God. So they're like, all right, we don't want to call this Beetle guy, yeah. um, but we got to scare them out. What's the best strategy? And their best strategy is let's put sheets on for ourselves. Let's put sheets on and just, woo, I'm a ghost. Pull an E.T. And everybody thinks that somebody it's else someone is having else in the sex. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're gonna do this kinky shit, do it in your own room. Yeah. yeah. Lydia thinks it's her parents having sex in the next room over. And this is where we actually start to get into just Winona Ryder as like the more of the main character of the film yeah. Is, yeah. is this scene right here. Um, of her. I also want a Polaroid that shoots that quickly. Like, yeah, yes, that's yeah. so many Polaroids. Like, this is. I'm like, she's like, like pictures just popping out. Love that. Also, for her to develop that quickly too. Yes. Movie magic. Um, and then eventually they, they talk and she, they, they bring her upstairs. They show her the model. They talk to her. She kind of gets an idea of what's going on. Yeah. Well, she's like, you can, you can see us. And that's when she says her line. It's like, um, something about the fact of like, well, you see like ghosts and all are of the world realm of the strange, and peculiar. I, I myself too am strange, strange and, and peculiar. peculiar. <laughs> and she says it so well. She's relishing it. She, she, is, she delivers all of her goth lines with so much power behind them, it is bathing phenomenal. Bathing like, in the river of Golgotha. Yeah, she's very much <laughs> like said, she's on the river of sticks right now. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's very much said like as an actress, the roles that appealed to her, especially in this time period, were like weirdos. Yeah, like she wanted to play Lydia Dietz. She wanted to play um, Veronica Sawyer and Heather's. Yeah. That's what appealed to her, not playing just like the girlfriend or, you know, the main character in a John Hughes movie. Yeah. She wanted to play kind of these weirdos. And I think that this is the first opportunity for her getting that role. She's really relishing it. And she really feels this obligation to do a good job. Yeah. Because this is kind of her shot. And if she misses it, um, she might not get another. But she just feels so confident on screen. Like, especially from the two movies we've already covered. Mm. 
talking now about this movie, it's like it's night and day in terms of her confidence. Yeah. In level. Lucas, she's like she's good, but she, there's not a lot of confidence. Very, she like, seems very nervous, very stiff in yeah. terms of dynamic motion and stuff. In this, she's very loose on camera. Yeah, very... no, she's she's phenomenal on camera. Mm. She yeah. she every time she's on screens, she like slays. <laughs> We're all waving to Becca. Um, so yeah, then they yeah, you're like you said, Scott. They show her the miniatures in the attic and can't remember what like really the rest of the conversation was other than just like we're trying to scare you guys they basically just loop her into the deal right Mm -hmm. um and tell her what they're trying to do Mm -hmm. i do like and then i think the best line when they're like he's like good luck with that my father never walks away from equity (laughs) (laughs) the two lines that i like in the sequence are equity the line about my father never walks away from equity and then when they're like, yeah, we tried to wake your mom up and scare. She's like, she's taking a ride with Prince Valium <laughs> yeah, tonight. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, God, I want to be her mom, her stepmom. With Prince Valium. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, if I ever get diagnosed or prescribed Valium, I definitely would like to refer to it as pre- Prince Valium. I don't think they prescribe that anymore. I'm pretty sure it's like a drug they only give you in a hospital now. I don't think yeah, you can I, take that I, at I, home. I, yeah, I don't, It's I don't like know. the cocaine at craft services. It just does, <laughs> sadly, the 80s took that away from us. <laughs> Yeah, well, Valium was definitely like like in the sixties and seventies, like the housewife drug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's very much like, kind of like not seen as like your usual everyday prescription mm-hmm. sort of thing. At that point, they'll just give you Xanax yeah. and uh, 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 Ambien. Yeah. So after their their two attempts have failed, um, which to them has implied Alec Baldwin taking his head off and then putting a sheet on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of pathetic how bad they are at this. Yeah. I do like that. You like know, they've never seen a horror film in their entire lives. I love how square they are. Yeah. I think that's the fun dynamic of this movie is how square they are in comparison to how um like Beetlejuice. snobby oh. the Dietzes are. Yeah. It's the conflict between the two of them and Lydia's kind of the perfect mesh of both. Mm-hmm. She's as weird as her parents, but with kind of the soul of the Maitlands. Yeah. And so she's kind of the, the moral center of the movie. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and after their two pathetic attempts have failed, they're just like, let's just call the Beetle guy. Um, yeah, because they get to they, they go to the miniature. They definitely didn't listen to their caseworker at all. Yeah, they, they go, were like, fuck this woman. They ignored their caseworker immediately. And Beetlejuice, uh, who is miniaturized form in like where the miniatures are, yeah. is like looking up at them he, and he's like, you got to say my name three times. You he's know, it's, basically like a home a hobo. Yeah, he like camps out in people's and other hauntings. Yeah, because he, he looks through the obituaries and yeah. he's like, "All right, yeah. where I need to work, I gotta work." Yeah. <laughs> and he's living on their um their model. Yeah, so they say the name three times and yes. then Beetlejuice appears. They say Beetlejuice, and they get su- they get sunk down to the the miniature and that's where they they meet yeah. him and he does this whole like little, he does his little intro little intro where he pretty much pretty much sexually assaults her the entire time yes. that they're down there. Um. But he's an old horn dog. He's an old horn dog, um, and it's just absolutely crazy. I mean, the, the, I just love how the miniature set looks when they're down there compared to like like it looks so good from when they did the helicopter shot, mm. and then when they're on it, it's literally just like foam padding. <laughs> yeah, it's just like definitely a Tim Burton vibe. It just it honestly just feels so nice to me compared to like this beautiful intro shot to then just just like oh it's just a bunch of foam padding on it called the grass. Yeah, but the, eventually, like throughout their whole talk with. Beetlejuice. They're kind of. I saying, thought you were about to do it. Do what? Don't worry, nothing. Oh, 
Well, when they're done talking to Beetlejuice, they kind of get the vibe. It's like Beetlejuice is not a guy that we really think we should trust. They say Beetlejuice, 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 and then they, oh no! <laughs> hey, how are you? I, I I set him up for that. <laughs> hey, uh, Stuart, you looking for a guest on your podcast? Oh my God! How are you? This is Scott. So- how you doing? <laughs> What's oh, your, what's, oh, who are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about you. Talking about John DeRolta? Talking about you, Beetlejuice. Oh, great. Here, buddy. Let me tell you something. I got a great idea for a new show. It's going to be called Beetlejuice the Podcast. Beetlejuice. I'll be here every week. Oh. Wait. I was this man's best man at his wedding. Is we there a just, way for me to remove you, myself from this You were Beetlejuice's best man? <laughs> yeah, he was my best man. Best men. I had multiple. Genghis Khan, Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini, my best men. <laughs> ah, all right. What uh, are we talking about? We're, we're talking about your movie. Where are we at? Uh, at the part where they... You know, I'm making a sequel. Oh, yeah, you're making a sequel. Called Beetlejuice 2. Yeah. It's Beetlejuice 2. <sighs> Feels good to be back. You, you know what? I think this this bit's running blue. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, I would Beetlejuice. Like to ah! I would like to remove myself from this narrative. It's all right. You, you, I, okay, you got rid of I got I, was, ri- I got rid of Beetlejuice. I was a little worried there. Beetlejuice is getting a little bit too Beetlejuice for <laughs> You're me. You're getting a little too Beetlejuice for you. Oh, wait. We just said it three times. No, you're uh, not in the sequence. There's a pause. There's an interruption. I so see. if I say Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, something, 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 Beetlejuice. No, you doubt there's interruption. We've already, we've we, already, we've already we did cons- We did have an audio recording from our lawyer earlier in this episode that explained it. We did. Yes. Um, from our our podcast lawyer. So whatever. Yes. So they they meet her and they they freak out like we don't want to work with him. He's horrible. They eventually like get off of the model. He's trapped in the model for a little bit. Um, and then what, what, what what's next after that? I'm trying to remember. They're just like fidgeting with the little. Yeah. Little so they thing. they pitch to Beetlejuice um, that. They, that what they want, and he offers his services, but they're like, "This guy's a creep. This guy's we don't want to deal with him." We don't want to deal with him. And who of us hasn't, you know, consulted a um like a contractor and been really creeped out and been like, "All right, I'm not going to work. Not going to work guy. with that guy. We're just going to do it ourselves." I do like he, when he's pitching himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of goes through his quali. They ask him for his qualifications. Mm-hmm. He's like, "I saw the Exorcist 167 times, and it gets you funnier every, every single time. time." I lived through the uh, the Black Plague and had a pretty good time during that. Time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, it's just a. Re- it's like this movie needs this jolt of electricity, like 45 mm-hmm. minutes in, because yeah. it's kind of relatively slow-ish. Yeah, going up to it, right? And not that it's become boring, but like the gimmick of two ghosts trying to scare a family it's not really sustainable past this point right they need a little bit of juice to it yeah you literally need to add the juice to the movie add the juice add the juice i this is where the cocaine comes in handy yes Mm -hmm. um there's definitely plenty um so they they kind of run away from him they say his name again three times and leave yeah um, and he's like, oh, coming in for dinner? Hope you like Italian. And then turns around, they're not there, and he's pissed. God, you do a really good Beetlejuice impression. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was just here. He was just here in the studio. It's not hard. Yeah. When he's here. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> vicious assault happening. Yeah. Um, uh, so then, what? Did they, they're not trying, like, the face thing yet, are they? No. no. That, that's that's later on when they eventually go back to the caseworker. Yeah. Uh, when she when the caseworker actually summons them this time, it this isn't... Is the Deo table scene. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is what where we're going. This is yeah. Oh yeah. Oh god, I love this scene. <laughs> this is when they're like, we have a great idea for how to do this, and the whole time Lydia has been telling her parents like, yeah, there's ghosts in the attic, and I'm friends with them. And they're like, that's nice, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're like, maybe you need to be on some kind of meds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you need a Valium. Um, and so they have this dinner dinner with um their Otho. Their interior designer and... Her agent? Her agent and his wife? Yeah, and his wife and then Otho's wife. And the very weird... This ends very weirdly, but like... Otho has a wife. I thought he was gay. Yeah. I thought he was a singular Well, there's like this one woman who's with him. That's Um, right. And it's kind of weird. Yeah. They have like a weird dynamic. She doesn't matter. She added nothing to the plot. (laughs) Um, But this insane dinner that she's trying to cook. And yeah, so Lydia's trying... No! Yeah. Sorry. That song just starts playing, and Catherine O'Hara starts mouthing along to it, and everyone at the table is like, oh, she's so funny. And then everybody else starts to like kind of yeah. unpromptly dance to it. Yeah. Um, and this scene's great. Perfect pitch. Yeah. Um, it's a really fun bit of choreography. Daylight comes and they go home. I would really like to know, to in Alec Baldwin's mind, what was the scheme here? Uh, <laughs> because it's like, all right, I know how we're going to get rid of them. We're going to make them all dance to the banana boat song. <laughs> yeah. Like if I... Which just goes into the fact that like they have no idea what they're doing. Like the fact that they threw on sheets and was like, this will work. It just it just kind of plays on the fact that they're just two idiots who have no idea what they're doing and they're so square. And they're like, oh, this song is so edgy and whatever. It's going to scare them off. Yeah, and they think it's a great idea. Let me hear you yeah. with a pitch. If they have the ability to control them, because that seemingly this is a possession. They can possess these people. Yeah. Just walk them out the front door. No, they can't. They can't leave. <laughs> well, you just walk them out the front door, like to the porch, and then to like kick them. Yeah, but I remember that after this entire scene, they run upstairs and they're like so giddy. They're like, "We got them!" And then they're staring out the window. They're like, gonna be running out of the door any second, and nothing, and nothing comes. happens. And then eventually, when Underwater comes upstairs, and it's like they want to talk to you <laughs> yeah, downstairs. They really want to talk to you. And they're like, "Why?" And they're like. They and eventually they, they want to, cool. they literally want to make money off of them mm. because that's the type of people they are. Um, and eventually they don't come downstairs because they're like, this doesn't work. I'm not going to go downstairs <laughs> with this. I want him out of my house. And then his agent leave, her agent leaves and she calls her, a, her she calls her a flake like several times to her face. About yeah. that. She's like, I have consistently lost money on you. Like I am done being your agent. Yeah. So then eventually they, they go back to their caseworker, I think, mm-hmm. after this. And they're like, okay, so we... And their caseworker eventually says, like, oh, my God, you fucking idiots. <laughs> um, basically saying it's like, whatever you guys have to do, like, you you just have to, like, scare them, okay? Like, you're not you're not thinking big enough, okay? And you need that book back, because they now... Ortho now has the book. Oh, they have the book after yeah. that? Oh, I didn't realize that. Because uh, she brings that up in the meeting, and they're confused. Like, oh, my God, we lost the book. Um, and this is where we get that this the 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 quintessential Tim Burton prosthetic makeup vibe to it. When yeah. the, he like Alec Baldwin stretches his face well, out and his wife contort opens their it. faces, and yeah. it's and it's so well done. It on and because it's a practical effect, it holds up. Like yeah. watching it today this morning, I was like, this looks phenomenal. This it looks was like really good. any kind of CGI in the eighties, early nineties. It would yeah. it would it would it would look so bad. Yeah, he actually stretches he, yeah. his like mouth and nose and face like out to a point and she like essentially stretches out her jaw opens and adds, it like, up eight thousand teeth and right her eyeballs pushes her eyeballs her in, like it's her mouth. so well done and it's just like tim burton whoever tim burton hires for his like costume and prosthetics like 
Good Oscar worthy. Like phenomenal and it holds up so well. Did this movie get anything like award wise um, for that shit? We'll talk yes it did. Um and we'll talk about that at the end. But the thing that's oh, yes. fun about the like the stretchy face is that Tim Burton very much didn't want this to look realistic. He's like, I want this to look cartoony um and silly like the B movies that I grew up with. Like your Yeah. Um playing on surrounder spaces and whatnot. And so that's what I find so charming is that a movie like this can, you know, there's such a focus on like everything has to look realistic nowadays. Yeah. Like when you put, and I'm, you know, there's movies that um, don't do it and I'm not blaming VFX artists for this, but there's such like this focus on make it look realistic, make it look like how this thing would look. Yeah. And kind of moving away from the fact like it doesn't have to look realistic. It can look just like Alec Baldwin's stress face. It can look goofy. It can look cheap. Right. As long as it looks good. Yeah. The good and real are not the same. It's, you know, good is the opposite of bad. It's also a movie, so you're allowed to play yeah. with that kind of stuff. You can be silly. Uh, mm. Make things look insane. And so they come back to their house, and the first thing, they I think it was uh, Lydia who, at this point in time, is writing, like, a suicide note. Yeah. Because uh, she... I have, I have fallen. No, I have plummeted off of the the river bridge yeah and so she she because she wants to go she wants to she at this point she's like connected with the maitlands and it's like she's connected with them yeah that she sort of sees them more so as better like parental figures than Mm -hmm. her Mm -hmm. dad and her stepmom are yeah absolutely. so she wants to like die to go into the be a ghost and be she wants to join them yeah and so then they come back into the attic lydia then goes up there too i think and then she's frightened of them and she's like why are you guys doing this like what the hell and oh she you know she gets frightened because tim burton gets loose again that's oh, sorry tim burton Beetlejuice gets loose again and does that whole snake scaring scheme and it wasn't wasn't their fault and like that whole snake scene is beetlejuice it's well, not it's not the mainland i think that's afterwards though because isn't it like she gets scared of their contorted faces at first, and then they drop the act with their faces, and they're like, clearly what we're doing is oh, not yeah, working. Yeah. We're going to summon Beetlejuice. So they say Beetlejuice's name three times, Beetlejuice, 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 and nothing. Okay. Uh, I guess we're fine. So then, um, so then Beetlejuice comes out, and he immediately, I can't remember what he says before he turns into a snake, uh, some crazy Oh, you thought I wasn't coming back. I heard you say it. Oh. Thought I'd sneak in So here. he turns into like this rattlesnake thing. Yeah. How are we doing? Scares, what scene are we on? the crap out of Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder We're like, on the snake. I That's one of my best guys. bits. Because it's really cool because he, he turns into like the railing of the stair kind of. Yeah. That then when they It's touch, an old Beetle touch, classic when I did that. Uh, and then when he touches it, it like t- actually moves. Yeah, and like this is like, this is, the, this is like oh, the. Oh, yeah. When I'm like the snake. Oh, It's like the great like Tim Burton animation style of like him mixing in this this very practical effect. cartoons i was cartoon once yeah, yeah. this practical cartoon it's a great show and the snake and beetlejuice like is... beetlejuice beetlejuice music get out of here oh, oh you got, you got rid he's of him. thank you uh and the snake like full-on like assaults them they because it, it, the snake's like throwing them across yeah, the, the room snake throws the dad down the stairs and scares the crap out of winona and throws the mom into a bedroom or something like that um, and those ortho, I think, off the staircase or and something I think, like that. And I think it's Gina Davis who sees all this happening. She's like, what the fuck? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And then he, she, he she, goes yeah, Winona, back into like his realm or whatever. Yeah, and she blames, and Winona blames. Yeah. 
the maidens. So Altho and the rest of the family, they're like, okay, so we have this book. Like, can you find a way to like summon them or whatever? And Altho's like, I think I can figure this thing. I out. think I can figure it out. Yeah. So I know as much about interior decorating as I do the afterlife. So, like, yeah. And so he says, like, I need something very important to them, and that's when they find. Well, they find it very early in the film, so it's a they call back to it where it's like the wedding dress and the wedding yeah. tux or whatever. So they put that on the table and they have like a summoning circle essentially. Winona doesn't quite know what's going on. She's like, "What are we guys? What are you guys trying to do?" And then Otho does the "Incomedium in Patris, Fidei Spiritus and so then they're in the attic, but they start to slowly fade yeah. away. Otho like, thinks like, he's doing happening? a seance. Yeah, but um, what he's doing is an exorcism. He's accidentally doing an exorcism. Yeah. Just a normal thing to accidentally do. Accidentally do that, yeah. Um, and it, it just it further plays into the fun dynamic of this movie of like snobs versus slobs, like these kind of square, um, you know, suburbians yeah. in conflict with this um, course, er- erudite city folk. Who think they know what the fuck they're doing whenever yeah. they do anything because they're, you know, the upper class. And neither of them fully understand anything. Um, and it's, it's just a fun dynamic to put them in. It's like, it's very similar in dynamic to Ghostbusters. We missed one scene. It was before, after the Beetlejuice attack and before the summoning where Lydia goes up to the attic and Beetlejuice talks to her and tries oh, to get yes. her. And tries, guess- tries to get her to say his name. And he's like, just to get them. His energy of this is like he pops up like a a bug, like a yeah. beetle, and she's like a, a bug, insect, uh, uh, crawl, beetle. beetle. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, charades. Second word because he's not allowed to say his name. Right, he can't say his and name. Then she, and then she shows a thing of orange juice, and she's and he's like. It's like orange breakfast, breakfast drink, drink, and he's like, "No, you're so beetle close. breakfast, beetle, beetle drink, drink. <laughs> beetle." Like, and I'm just like, "Toying, <laughs> toying with, right. toying with like, girl, it's juice." But it's then she kind of catches on. It's like, wait, and she's like, "Oh, it's juice," and he's like, "Yeah, your name is Beetlejuice." It's like, yeah, yeah, just see it one more time. It's like you were the snake, weren't you? Yeah, and, and she's like, "I don't know about this. I think I'm gonna go." And luckily, back. she sees through it. Yeah. Um, Enough at that point, but she obviously gets befit. I don't know the word I'm looking for. She gets fooled by him later on because yeah. you know he she almost marries him at the end. Yeah. He pitches to her, "I will free the Maitlands if you marry me." Yep, because they're um, now they're now trapped in this exorcism. Thing. And you know, it's she really chooses them as her parents because she agrees. Yeah, um, to spend an eternity with Beetlejuice to save the Maitlands' lives. Yeah, from being damned. Why does he need to marry her? Uh, I think he just wants to ma- be married to uh, a has, little has, girl. I don't think it has anything. That's the wrong, the wrong father in to that, a little in girl. That movie to be he married. wants to marry a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Arranged so, marriage, by the way. It is. Yeah, an arranged marriage with, to a what? Fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old. Um. Uh, so yeah, you get that scene and that beautiful red dress that she's wearing. Yeah, <laughs> but so, so then it's the exorcist scene. Yeah. And then they're the Maitlands then appear on the table wearing their wedding outfits. Yeah, and they start decaying. Um, decaying. Yeah, Gina Davis looks crazy <laughs> when she's a full she shell. She looks nuts. And Winona immediately is like, "What are you doing? Like, stop this!" And and they all look at Arthur. It's like, "Can you stop this?" Like, "Uh, I don't think I can, Charles." Because <laughs> the dad's name is Charles. I don't think we ever yeah. said that, but it's the first time I thought like, "Oh, X Men vibes." Yeah. Like, it's too late, Charles. Charles. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
And at that point, then Winona runs back upstairs and call, like yeah. calls. It's like, can you like save them? And it's like, I uh, just got to say the yeah. name. You know what the deal is. And she, so she, she says the name and then Beetlejuice comes in and saves the releases the Maitlands from My, their exorcism. But we have to talk about like the first form he takes. Yeah. Because he p- appears up as like a carnival thing. Yeah. He rises out of the dining room table. Like his, he's wearing a Ferris wheel top, or yeah. not a Ferris wheel, like a, a merry-go-round yeah. carousel. Like, oh, here I am! And then he, and he stretches out his hands, and we we have the agent and the agent's wife, and he like lifts up his hands. They think, oh my god, it's a ghost! This is so cool! Oh yeah. my god, we're gonna make so much money! And then he slams his hands down, and they go shooting up yeah, he like hits the, the floorboards, fucking... and the floorboards launch them into the ceiling, well, and we it's never like that, see It's them like the again. carnival hammer game yeah. that you can play. The implication being that uh, the agent is played by Robert Goulet. The implication being that Robert Goulet is uh, killed because <laughs> he's yeah. launched through the ceiling, and we never see him again. Him and his wife are both. just gone. They're just gone. Just probably dead. And so um, then Beetlejuice... He disposes of Otho as well. Otho like tries to run away, and he shoots a spotlight at him. Yep. And, he, and he like changes his outfit from like a black to like light blue. Yeah. And then I guess Otho is so... Uh, embarrassed. Like, embarrassed by uh, it. Yeah, by his style change that he runs away. That he runs away. Because he likes wearing black. Yeah. Um, I do... Um, God, what was I just gonna say? Oh, we didn't. We never mentioned specifically that Beetlejuice this whole time is marketing himself as a bio exorcist. I mentioned that. Oh, did you? I'm that he'll that bit. he'll remove the living. Yeah, yeah. He and the so living. this is his act, him doing his service. Yeah, because he he is a man of contract. He does do what he is contracted. Yep, he was yeah. he was hired to remove yeah. the humans. And so now that you know everyone's dealt with and the Maitlands are okay, he's like, all right, let else get married. And then out of the fireplace emerges this like little guy the alien fuck <laughs> yeah it's like he like he's it's clearly like a huge head just prosthetic like a mickey mouse yeah. disney world style because he's just, like gong, gong, like wobbles out and then lydia is in a red dress and he's in like a little suit tux thing yeah and he also makes the sculptures come alive and sort of uh, grapple and capacitate uh, the parents. The parents because he needs witnesses. Because he needs witnesses, <laughs> and so he's like, "Okay, let's go on." It's like it, it's more of that stuff, because I talked about this when they were in the waiting room. I love bureaucracy of a fantastical world. That like even though this is like a a spear like a spiritual guy event. He just literally has to follow the specific rules of the wedding. Yeah. yeah. And he needs, like, there's, like, a little efficient alien. Uh, it's crazy. I love how, how specific steps this is. to do this. Like, yeah. he's doing, he has to follow the bureaucracy of all of it. Yeah. And so mm. then the alien is just like, do you, uh, Lydia, take Beetlejuice to be your husband? It's like, uh, uh. And then he's like, I'll answer for her. And he covers her mouth. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And then yeah. she, and then he like, he mimics her, her voice. Mimics her voice. Cause she's, that's one of the powers he's able to do. He's like, you know, like, ah, it's a party yeah. trick. It's like, <laughs> I, Lydia, take Beetlejuice to be my lawful wedded husband from death of the party, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, okay, no, hurry, speed, speed yeah. up, come on, speed let's up, faster, faster. Right. Because the whole time the Maitlands, now that they're coming to, are trying to say his name three times to kick him back into the spirit world. Yeah. Um, but he zippers Gina Davis's mouth shut and then kicks her out the door. Yep. Um, and Alec, well, I don't remember what happens to Alec Baldwin. He does something to Alec. I think he 
throws Alec Baldwin into the Saturn realm. Yes. <laughs> oh, he does. And that's when he gets like called by him, her again or whatever. Oh, yes. And he's riding the sandworm. And that's eventually how they defeat him is he gets eaten by a sandworm. Yeah, they, yeah. they ride this right before Beetlejuice is able to, um, what do you call it? Like finish the vows. Yeah. Um, they blast a sandworm in through the door and eat him. Yeah. yeah. Ah! And then he's like, oh, no. <laughs> um, he gets eaten. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah, and that's that. <laughs> but a sock puppet of a sandworm. Yeah. yeah. We then cut to black. Uh, we come back and we're at like a girl's school. Yeah. And Lydia runs out wearing like the usual like skirt and sweater. She's not combo. In, like all black. Yeah. It's almost like she's like degothetized. She's letting some color into <laughs> her life. <laughs> she added purple and black. It was just a phase. It was just a it's phase. It's not a phase, mom. <laughs> uh, but she gets back to the same house. And are her parents there or is she just now being raised her by parents them? are there okay because she like the maitlands are like how'd you do in your test and she's like i got a b minus on uh, my science test i'm so proud of you sweetie um and they're like well how about the math she's like i got an a and they're like oh and they're so excited they're parenting her we cut to jeffrey jones and Catherine o'hara in the other room yeah um, I can't remember specifically what their interaction is, but basically like, they're kind of co-parenting this child between yeah. humans and ghosts. Basically, yeah. Um, and she's like now the perfect mix of the two of them. She like has the weirdness of her parents. Um, and then she has the squareness of the Yeah, with some of the normalness of the Maitlands. Yeah. She's a product of the city and the suburb um, and is ready to go into the world. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, she's like, can we do the thing? Yeah. They're like, oh, I okay, we can do the thing. And then she levitates. Yeah, and is dancing to shake, 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 shake Menorah. Take your body right. right. And like so down the staircase. <laughs> yeah. That is the original ending of the movie. Wait, there's an ulterior ending? Well, the one that you got, oh, that we all watched is the actual end of the movie, but like the movie originally just ends with her dancing. Yeah. And then they started doing test screenings for the movie. Yeah. And it was so wildly popular and successful. And so both Burton and the studio were like, we need to show that Beetlejuice survived. Oh, because yeah. the movie just ended with him getting eaten by the snake, and that's the end of it. He's done. Right. And so they went back and they reshot and added that scene where he's in the waiting room. Where he's, in, he's now in the oh, waiting yeah, he's room. in the waiting room. He's like, he's like, <laughs> his number's like nine billion. Something. And they're serving number three. Yeah, and he looks <laughs> next to him, and number four is next to him, the witch the, doctor. The witch doctor. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, what's that? The guy looks away. He swaps their numbers. Like, oh, I guess I'm next. <laughs> and then the witch doctor like sprinkles some dust, and he's like, and wait, he's, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he shrinks. His head shrinks. <laughs> But that was a last minute add-in. Um, I completely forgot about that scene. Yeah. To uh, just to just to give the implication that Beetlejuice survived. So and if they ever wanted to come back, which they obviously did to make a sequel. Yes. Um, and that's the end of the movie. That is the end of the movie. Um, that is Beetlejuice. That is Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is a good movie. It was a very good movie. Um, Beetlejuice. 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 You guys just, you both, you haven't said it the third time and you interrupted yourself. I'm not going to. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> How are you? Uh, we just, Stuart. Yeah. Guess what? What? I like you. Thank I you. I think I'm going to bring you in. Oh, I'm bring gonna, me in. To what? Bring you into the death world. You want to marry me? No, thank you. You and me, buddy, against uh, the world. Eternity. I'm good, but I. I I'm going to introduce Becca to a very good divorce attorney. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Becca is, but I'd love to meet her. I'm looking for a bride. Real quick, we just finished talking about your movie, Beetlejuice. Great movie! You're talking uh, about the sequel, Beetlejuice, the television Beetlejuice. show? Ah! Thank you. 
going to ask him for some context, but uh, <laughs> he's gone. You got rid of him. But yeah, that is essentially the whole movie. I uh, I really hope that they don't fumble the ball of what they succeeded on in the first movie, which was not overblowing Beetlejuice. Tim Burns directing this one, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. So the, the the joy of like I this movie is very lovely. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's like the key to it. Cult classic. Yeah. It's like it it just it becomes a classic almost immediately. It's made for fifteen million. It makes seventy five million. Yeah. Back in the day, if you made seventy five million dollars, your movie was a success. Nowadays, if you made seventy five million dollars, they would like fire twenty people. And, yeah. Because you know, the co- probably cost a hundred million dollars. A company to would make. go under. Yeah. Um, but it's a massive success. It launches a lot of careers. Mm-hmm. Um, Burton, off of the success, is able to get the budget for Batman that he wants. Yeah. The studio is originally telling him you cannot have Michael Keaton play Batman. Um, Which but, he then gets. Yeah, Beetlejuice being Seth, they're like, all right, he's a movie star. He can be in Batman. It's insane to me that he... How he went from Beetlejuice to Batman. Well, I was just saying, like, it's insane to me that he just got done working with Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice has this movie that has Batman and the Joker and didn't think to cast him as the Joker? That that's is the thing fair. That's fun. He would have been a fantastic Joker. Well, right. they, they cast our old, my old roommate as the Joker. Right, they casted right. your old roommate as the Joker. Uh, I don't know who would have been the Batman if Michael Keaton was the Joker, but like, hmm. I, I'm just thinking, like, you just got done working with this guy's this batshit crazy evil like demon the lord. the Joker would have been the perfect. Yeah, it's like, that's just naturally what I would think. It's like... Imagine the phone call Michael Keaton's going to get from Tim Burton. Like uh, Michael Keaton's like, get a call from agent. Hey, what's up? It's like, hey, I got Tim Burton on the line. He wants to talk about this Batman movie. It's like, oh, Batman. Well, I just got done working with the Beetlejuice. He wants me to play Joker. It's like, no, he actually wants you to play Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> and that, that we're not going to talk about Batman like as an episode, but he like, For a there while. was so much fan outrage over him. He cast as Batman. They were furious. And the movie came out, and people were like, "Oh, he's good." Yeah, he was only in what one, two, how many movies? He did Batman and Batman Returns, and um, and the Flash, and the Flash, <laughs> which came out this year, and, and Batgirl. nobody saw, and Batgirl. Oh yeah, Batgirl. We did talk about our secret uh, copy yeah. of that movie. We had, we got a secret copy of Batgirl, a movie that was made, we'll finished, we'll... and then deleted. Yeah, lost because in the archives. Warner Brothers wanted to take a um, tax write-off on it instead of release it, which is ridiculous. Yeah, so it would have done so well. So many people's work uh, just like was written off as a tax write-off. They just did it again with some uh, Looney Tunes movie, they which were is making. which is ridiculous. Uh, that's the um, they were doing a movie called Coyote versus Acme. Yeah, which was like a Looney Tunes legal drama, which sounds so funny. Yeah, um, and it got great test scores great internal reviews and then Warner Bros. like yeah we're just gonna tat- write it off for 30 million dollars is that the industry we work in now where it's like it's just a gamble of the movie you work on i mean you're gonna get paid but it's like a gamble i'm shocked that heist 88 actually got came out <laughs> we were all on it yeah i was like this is not gonna come out and it came out and they cut out so much of what we shot and now mm. the movie is like kind of trash unwatchable yeah. like it they never filmed the last scene of the movie so <laughs> So they just added a voiceover, um, and then they cut out this like entire side story arc, and now the movie's only like an hour and forty minutes. And it's like, oh my god, what the hell? <sighs> but if you want to watch Heist eighty eight on Paramount Plus, it's available for streaming now. It is available. Um, check it out. Scott worked on it. I did. Are you in the end credits? I am. Oh yeah, I am in the end credits. The end credits go by so fast. It says <laughs> it's, it's a made-for-TV movie. It's, it's, it's a made I love when there's like, dude, it's horrible. <laughs> I was like, I want. I was like hoping for the full scrolling. Yeah. And my mom literally called me after she watched, and she's like, 
I had to go back and rewind it three times to be able to find your name because of how fast it was going. <laughs> wow. And I was like, I just want to be on a movie one day where it's like the Get big, the scroll. slow scroll of the thousand and people who worked on it. Yeah. It would be nice. I want mm. that one day. Uh, but this movie comes out. It came out in March, weirdly. Um, Interesting. Cause it March seems like a like a September, late yeah. summer, early Halloween movie. I guess like, yeah, it feels like a like a, it has very autumnal energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it comes out in March 30th of 1988. That's so weird. Interesting. Um, massive success, as I said, financially. Gets great reviews. Um, yeah. Everyone, every this movie is no one complains about this movie. Yeah, except for Alec Baldwin. Except for Alec Baldwin. Everyone is thrilled by it because he didn't get to shoot anybody. Yeah, he didn't get to shoot. He wants he he's, he has to work wait a long time for that. Whoa. Um, <laughs> sorry, wow. too, sorry, too soon. <laughs> um, he really then, wanted to shoot Tim Burton. Yeah. Um. But no, he's um, this movie just it it, it does it well. sets up a lot of careers. Yeah. Winona, Burton, yeah, because it, Keaton. It gives Winona so much clout going mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. You know, her next movie that we're gonna talk about is 1969, which isn't impacted by this because they kind of shoot around the same time. Yeah. Um, but you know, from Heather's onward, her career is defined by yeah. being Lydia Dietz. Absolutely, it's probably one of her top three iconic roles in terms of what people re- remember her as, recognize yeah. her. Right. Um. And so it really does go on to the rest of her career. And, you know, we're going to keep talking and cycling back to Beetlejuice when mm-hmm. we talk about the movie she's doing. Yeah. yeah. The other thing this movie does is get an Academy Award nomination and win for Best Makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as it well should. deserved. Well deserved. It also launches, weirdly, a kind of you know mini it, Do you know who it up was, a, uh, who was against in the category? Um, I can find out. I'm pulling it up right now. So this movie is nominated for Best Makeup at the 81st Academy Award, 61st Academy Awards. It's up against Coming to America and Scrooge. So this is like a very easy win for that. Oh, absolutely. I know that T.P. shot Coming to America. Really? He, he shoots Force. Oh, that's awesome. It's Jody. I did not know that. Yeah, he also shot the last couple of seasons of Empire. Really good guy. Hmm, that's cool. He doesn't have his full name on the slate. He literally just has D.P. 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 Jody. Yep. That's a, that's a sign of, you know, clarity. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Um, this movie weirdly launches a, a kind of mini franchise because off of its success, there's an animated series that airs on ABC. For, oh, yeah, there was. I'm trying to figure out how many seasons this aired for. I think it was two or three, right? Um, four seasons. Wow. Uh, no one reprises their role for the, the animated movie, but it does star all the same characters. Um, Remember back in the uh, the 80s was a weird time where like an a, a comedy would be made that's like kind of catered to adults and they would just make an like Ghostbusters had an animated series. Mm-hmm. I think a lot about how Ghostbusters is a movie that ends with a dick joke. Like we need to touch tips, uh defeat the ghost. Yeah. And now they're making like all these reverent sequels that are just like remember when it was like to be a kid. And I'm like, "No, I don't remember this movie sir about guys touching tips. What are we doing? <laughs> Why are we making this movie where it's like I found a Ghostbuster in my basement and it's just the most incredible thing. I'm like, no, skip this bullshit. <laughs> Just get, let, let me watch the guys fight the ghost. Yeah. Um, but like they made a Beetlejuice TV series. There was a Broadway mm-hmm. musical um, in the past decade. Which I heard was the st- the pretty good. Beetlejuice is still touring it's currently yeah. in chicago right now is it in chicago right yeah now? i just drove so by you'll be just, going to see it tonight i, I do we if we can find tickets i'll go with you like but it's 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 done well it's toured it's it's i think it's been nominated for a few tonys like it still holds its it still holds its nostalgia of that movie yeah got good response it's not it was nominated for best musical best original score best book 
best lead actor for Alex Brightman playing Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. So oh, he did a great job. If you watch, if they, they had a recording of it when they did the, his Tony mm-hmm. stuff, he he is a phenomenal Beetlejuice. Yeah, I might have to listen to some of the soundtrack, but it is it is. I think the musical partially is what inspires them to kind of go back because Burton always wanted to make a sequel to this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The pitch was originally Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. <laughs> that was that was the movie they what? kept. That was up. Oh. that's what he wanted to make. Was it would just be it would not involve Lydia Dietz or any of those characters. It would just be Beetlejuice goes to another family in Hawaii. No. And it would be called Beetlejuice way. Goes Hawaiian. Wow. Um, and he came very close to making it multiple times. Yeah. Um, but never quite, you know, crossed over finally into making it. God damn, that's so funny. Uh, Burton's actual quote about that was he said it would be funny to match the surfing backdrop of a beach movie with some sort of German expressionism. <laughs> 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 Fuck it, I want him to make it. <laughs> oh, apparently it did still involve the Dietzes, Um, but they moved to Hawaii. Beetlejuice um, 3. That should be... be. I mean, that should be Beetlejuice 2. Is Do we it? Should know be what the in... plot to Beetlejuice 2 is going to be? There has been basically nothing um, about what Beetlejuice 2 is. The, I, um... I just hope that... I get, like I said this earlier, but like I just hope they don't ruin the thing that they did right in this movie, which is... 14 and a half minutes of Beetlejuice in an hour and a half movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think this movie, like Beetlejuice 2, like, if, I mean, because we see it all the time with all the new reboots and sequels, right? It's like the thing that they did right, they do the opposite of it in a reboot and it just yeah. tarnishes it. Like, it, it I would, feel like Tim Burton is going to hold Yeah, it. like, if it's Tim Burton at the helm, then it gives me a lot of good hope that he's not going to uh, make a, make that mistake. I, I would just, like, if it was a different director, I'd be so nervous of, like, they're yeah. going to, like, overuse Beetlejuice. He's going to be, like, the main character. It's going to be, like, Jack Sparrow 4, yeah. you know, <laughs> where it's just over uh, too much Beetlejuice, and I get too exhausted in the first, like, 10 minutes of it. Yeah, and he's a very, he's a very abrasive character to have on the screen for that much that, that time. I mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah. if, it, if they finish, fil- I mean, they now can finish filming. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the last maybe two days. Two more, day, two more days of filming. Probably, they might honestly add some reshoots in because they had this probably. much time. Yeah. Um, to kind yeah. of edit the movie. As yeah, yeah, they yeah. Prob- yeah. So, I mean, we'll probably see it sometime end of it's next year It's supposed to come out September 6th of 2024. When we will be doing an episode on it because Monona is back in it. Oh yeah. hell yeah, they're yeah. coming back this time with my actual second guest star. You'll <laughs> be time. back. Hey. By the but, way, this is featuring Scott, yeah. which was never introduced at the beginning of the episode. It was in the it was, it in, was the very in the opening, opening intro. Sorry, intro. I wasn't here for that. I was yeah. too hungover to get here on time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't want to talk too much about Beetlejuice too because we will cover it. Yeah. Um, and we'll have a great time talking about it. I'm sure. Hopefully, it's good. Um, it I, will be. I think that's we've set our. Do we have any final thoughts on Beetlejuice? Anything we wanted to say? She served. I don't know. She served. She mm. knew the assignment. She gained a whole new sense of confidence, and <laughs> you see that in the rest of the movie. She's going to. And do it honestly set up my love of Winona Ryder when I was a kid. Yeah, even though I was terrified. Yeah. She would, of this, she's even though big I was first crush as a as a young boy. This is like big first crush material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, especially in this. My movie. young gay boy was my young gay self was definitely obsessed with Winona Ryder, probably mm. for the different reasons than probably <laughs> what I probably thought I was originally. Yeah, but I was definitely obsessed with her. Mm. Um. Yeah. Well, we'll start picking up on her newfound, you know, fame and confidence. Um. Starting next week when we talk about 1969, uh, starring Kiefer Sutherland and Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also Winona Ryder in a small role. Um, but then the week after that, we really start picking up with Heathers. Uh, but for now, make sure to tune next week for 1969. We hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you know, 
I'm gonna bring a friend in to to, Beetlejuice. to close us out. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Hey, I'm back. All right, Beetle, Beetle, buddy, I I need you to to bring us to the end. You remember the intro from that time we talked before? Oh yeah, I remember. All right, please, Mike, subscribe, review on whatever platform, or I'll come to you and I'll bite your head off and I'll rip your eyes out. All right, so like, Beetle review, juice, subscribe, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. But thanks for listening, yeah. guys. It was a pleasure. Uh, like, for review, me. and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Amazon Music. There's a bunch of others. Um, you can pop to our Reddit, r slash Travolting. You can find us at Travolting Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Threads. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Um, special thanks, as always, to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design, Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music. We hope you had a great week, folks, and tune in next week for our episode on 1969. <laughs>